So, John, we get uh, a lot of fan mail, mainly from my mom. And so the people want to know, you know, if you could have every time you walk into a room, a song plays, almost like a theme song, what would that song be for you? Do, do I have to factor in that a lot of this fan mail is your mum and cater the genre of music to your mum? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. No, no, no. I'm no. walking into the room, Adam, your mum is in the room and I've got to pick a soundtrack. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I don't know if um, like, like Marvin Gaye on Luther Vandross is, is too much here. Oh, that's good. No? Nice. Set the mood. Um, that's, a, that's an awesome question. Um, probably like I, I did this like charity boxing match a few years ago and like my walk on tune was like the Jay-Z Linkin Park mashup like to get me Love going that. so nice like I'll go with that because every time I hear it no matter where I am I just suddenly get mildly aggressive because it triggers this <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're, you're ready to take on the world with, the, with that it was like six songs in that it was like a mini album mashup I love that that was like my yeah. senior year of high school right there I know it's also so funny that we choose songs that like make us feel like we could kick someone's ass. We're like, I love that song. I feel really aggressive right now. <laughs> yeah, it's great. But uh, anyway, apologies to your mom, Adam, if that's not her thing. But, no, no, she'll, uh, uh, she'll hear this. I'm sure she'll approve. Uh, <laughs> it'll be good. Welcome in a somewhat mobile. When we drop data, it's not anecdotal. Talking the latest mobile trends with highlighting the surges and descends. Yeah, this is an original series from Aptopia. The intelligence provider here to help focus you. I'm growing your mobile app and putting you on the map. So when people pull out their phone, it's the first thing they want to tell. So crack yourself a bit and give a listen here because the best podcast and mobile just landed in your ear. All right. Um, so in case you, you don't know, I'm sure you probably read the, uh, the description of this podcast, but we are joined by uh, the one and only, the illustrious John Hook, VP of Publishing at BoomBit, uh, where he runs publishing, obviously, as well as a little bit of M&A. John, BoomBit covers hyper-casual, uh, idle, some RPG mid-core games, uh, and, and something you call hybrid casual. And so I want to touch, we'll, we'll touch on hyper and hybrid casual in a second, but I got to ask... Who is playing idle games and why are they wasting their time? <laughs> I mean, I, I, can, I can understand why you asked that question, right? Um, it's, uh, you know, look, it's a, a bit like merge games, right? It caters for a certain type of player, right? Mm. Um, you know, if you basically like a game that kind of like continues without you, um, there's an easy sense of progression. You don't have to be too active you know, then that, that's the game for you, right? But if you, you know, love like playing your Madden or, you know, a different type of game that you really want to be in the game in the moment, then perhaps Idol's not for you. But, you know, look, as a genre, it's, um, it's exploded, right? Um, you know, some, some studios like, you know, like Cody Games did an amazing job, Idol Supermarket, Idol Theme Park, Idol Fitness. You know, Ubisoft just acquired Calibri Games, you know, Idol Minor Tycoon, huge, huge game. Yep. Um, with I, I think the the press release when they got acquired over 100 million downloads. So, wow. you know, th there's there's definitely an audience for this. So, and you know, that's what I love about gaming, right? It's just it's just so personal, like you said. It's it's not for you, but there's right. you know, millions of other players out there that mm -hmm. that love love idle game, you know, mechanics, characteristics, clicker games. So, um, yeah, I ca I can't, you know, it would be wrong of me to, you know, I can tell you some like mechanics and. <laughs> 
things that monetize them. But, you know, it'd be super wrong for me to tell you like that they're good or bad because it's just such a personal, it's just such a personal thing, right? Like why do people drink red wine versus right. white wine versus rosé champagne? You know, same as gaming. Right. Why do people love RPG versus hyper casual midcore? You know, right. it's, it's our job to make games people like, um, not tell them which ones they have to like. Although I've heard- to subliminal advertising. I love the idea of doing like the bare minimum. So I feel like I idol is targeted at me. Love that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it was great. You just, you know, you, you, you go away, you come back a day later and like this world has been built or this mine has been built mm-hmm. and you've got a million coins or you've got this, you know, huge army or population is awesome. Right. And all you've got to do is just click. It's great. Love it. Fair enough. All right, so we've heard a lot about hyper-casual games. You've already mentioned it. There's a lot of people theorizing what's happening with hyper-casual. Has it hit its peak or not? Could you describe hyper-casual games and um, let us know if you think they've hit their peak or if there's more? Yeah, it, 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 has it been saturated, the market? We've seen, we've seen articles saying like, hey, it's hit peak saturation, but I still see them at the top of the charts every day. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, working within gaming, you know what hypercasual is, but outside of gaming, people don't know what hypercasual is, right? So, right. you know, a hypercasual, you could argue it's not even a game, right? The, the audience are not gamers and they won't identify as gamers, right? It's like 50 50 male, female, anywhere from like your niece, nephew, daughter, son, who's like five up until like your nan, right? <laughs> right. So it's, it's a global audience. Um, and you know like the wine analogy i i always liken like hyper casual games to netflix right you can literally go in log in as you and you can find anything you want right you know do you like i don't know role play games about theme parks and toy shops do you want a car game do you want a puzzle game you know do you want um like an emoji game like literally there's it, a game you- i found they're very in the moment right I, I a few years ago if you remember like the the fidget spinner craze it was yeah, popular in in our culture and then and then the hyper casual games came out and there was a ton of them yeah but that's it right you look at the themes it's directly tied to popular culture so no surprise like full guys has exploded so you've just seen like an explosion of sort of like people trying to bring full guys characters into hyper casual games you know probably get sued but um <laughs> you know that that's how it works but also that that's that's why hyper casual games is successful right because you're trying to buy the widest audience possible, right? So there's not all this super granular targeting to enable you to get like a super, super low like cost of acquisition from these games. And that's really why it's exploded because your target audience is, is quite simply the human population versus other games where it's, you know, or back in my brand days, agency days, you're going after a very specific group of people, a certain demographic style, you know, and you add all those on and your kind of, you know, cost per acquisition goes up and up. Um, You know, have they, have they saturated? I mean, uh, I mean, the, 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 the numbers go up every year. If you think it's, you know, estimated, I saw some figures from Adjust that put it at like a four or five billion dollar industry. Mm. Um, there's been some huge acquisitions uh, and investments recently. So, you know, Tencent um, invested in Voodoo, kind of a French mm-hmm. uh, hyper casual publisher, and yep. that put a valuation at 1.4 billion. Yeah. Now you've had Zynga um, acquire Rolic, um, awesome hyper-casual publisher in Turkey for 200 million plus. So really, you don't get those kind of numbers 
if if there's not still growth in that industry, right? right. Of course, right. there are some other strategic reasons behind those acquisitions, but they're not going to put in those sums of money if they don't believe in that genre of games, the audience and, and the growth. So again, you, you, you can, we could sit here all day and debate, well, you know, it's only grown X percent and growth is declining, but um, you know, it's very established as a category now. And I think where it's going next is, you know, like any category of games, um, you know, there, there needs to be, you know, something new, something fresh to keep that audience coming back. Sure. And you, you mentioned, uh, you know, earlier we were talking, you said, you know, they'd probably get sued. Um, and then you mentioned the acquisition of Rollick Games by Zynga. And this this just kind of had some breaking news yesterday uh, that I believe it was, oh, Voodoo, Voodoo versus Rollick. They had, they had copied a game and, and Voodoo won. And it was less about, I think they only, I think they made them pay like 125K, right? It wasn't really about the money. It was more about the precedent being set uh, about how th- there's a lot of rampant copying, especially as it pertains to hyper-casual games. Do you, I don't know if you saw the news, but if you did, do you believe that this is uh, a big precedent that's been set and that it might cause uh, less less copying to happen or people to be more careful? Or do you think it's just going to kind of be business as usual? Well, look, I, uh, f- first of all, I think, you know, the, the, you know, copying is nothing new in gaming, full stop. Right, it's it, it's not this suddenly new thing that happened with this with this court case, and specifically within hyper casual, you know, in like where are we now? Twenty nineteen, there was um, you know Gizmarts um, went after Lion Studios for copying their game. You know, I've I've been on the receiving end where I've had to get lawyers to send cease and desist letters mm-hmm. to competitors. So, you know, it, it it's it's really really tricky here, right? Um, um, and it really is down to sort of interpretation. And I don't know the specifics of, of that ruling and, um, you know, how the judge in France, you know, obviously a legal expert, I don't know their, their track yeah. record in, in the gaming space. But, you know, as I said, I, d- I don't think this is, it, it really changes anything because it's the whole, certainly in hyper casual, right? Um, or any game, you're looking at the charts, you're looking at what's working, you try and deconstruct it take what's great about that game and put your own twist on it and making better. And, you know, sometimes it can end up looking like the existing game. It just comes down to that subjective evaluation of all of the person who made the original game. Well, how close is this actually to my game? Right. Do I feel it's a direct, direct copy? Um, but you know, the, 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 it's, it's, it's discussed a lot in the dev community. There's some great indie devs that are building on steam, for example. And, you know, a lot of the hyper casual community look at steam to get their ideas and they're basically taking someone's steam game and making a hyper casual version. You know, is that, is that copying? Right. Should they, should they get sued for that? Right. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting news. All, all I will say on it is, you know, I don't, I don't think this is the last of it for sure. Mm, okay. see, like you said, is it a precedent? I, I, I think what you will see now is um, some other publishers, developers looking at this and maybe looking closer when they do publish a game thinking, okay, well, there is some sort of precedent here to um, defend myself. Um, right. Challenges is if you're an indie dev, not everyone has the legal team and, um, you know, cash over voodoo, right? If you're, yeah you know an indie dev in the middle of nowhere and someone copies your game you know of course you're going to be really pissed off about it but you know again going through kind of legal motions is expensive so um yeah look generally in gaming the spirit is people just want to make great games and i i i would like to believe maybe naively that you know the majority of people out there you know 
respect other developers and just want to make a better version versus a copy. I'd like to believe that too. <laughs> they're good. They're good people out there. Yeah, so, exactly. Call me naive, but you know. Yeah, no, that's okay. We'll take it. We love that. Um, we need a little more optimism on this podcast. So it sounds like there's a lot more juice to be squeezed out of this category. Uh, where you've already sort of touched on this, where do you see it going next? And can we start talking about hybrid casual games? And what is hybrid casual? You can't, you cannot use that word. I mean, <laughs> I, it, 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 it really pisses me off, right? Because this word is just thrown around mm-hmm. um, for PR purposes and no one knows what it means, right? right. It, 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 there was one game, which was an incredible game, Archero, right? It's an amazing game. And um, my, uh, my CEO, he calls it a false positive, right? A unicorn mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. And what he means by that is, you know, it's like Clash of Clans. It, 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 you know, you, you can't replicate it. It's a, it's a one-off. It's not this new category. But, you know, again, to your last question about copycat, well, this is what's happened. There's the chance of them being flooded by people trying to just literally copy Archero. And they've all failed. Like, why? Right. Because, you know, again, it's, it, it's a one-off. So... To answer your question, where do I think hyper casual is going? There's there's two ways you might attack it, right? You've maybe got developers that are, you know, more from like an RPG mid-core background, and they're looking at hyper casual and thinking, okay, that's kind of cool. It's not for me, but um, this hybrid casual space to me, what it means is maybe I'm bringing in my kind of themes, so like fantasy, space, wizards, and I'm maybe simplifying that, not too simple for the hyper casual audience, but you know maybe taking elements from Idle and Merge. So I, I think that's maybe one area um, okay. that, that hybrid casual may evolve into. But I think the bigger opportunity is actually taking themes from hyper casual that if we remember these these you know this audience is not gamers, they don't really identify with sort of fantasy and space and wizards. It's not you know that would put them off. So, you know, taking some of these recognizable popular culture themes from hyper casual games. So like, you know, sports or whether it's Fall Guys or some very close reference to a popular movie where the character kind of looks like the lead character from the movie, but isn't for legal reasons. Otherwise they get sued. (laughs) Um, You know, you keep that basic gameplay, the really addictive core loop. You're just adding in a bit of a deeper meta. So a bit of a deeper gameplay to it, which means you can get you know, slightly better retention than you would get in hyper casual. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I believe that if hybrid casual is going to become a thing, I think for me, that's what it's going to look like, you know, take this yeah. hyper casual audience up mm-hmm. um, rather than try and bring this sort of mid core audience down and try and coerce the hyper casual audience to this sort of mid core theme. So for me, it still doesn't exist. There's no metrics for it. There's some general rules, like it should have maybe 30 to 40% IEP versus ads. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, again, I, I think it's a great opportunity and I know a lot of investors are looking at it, but right now it, it doesn't exist. Uh, people need to stop talking about it and actually just start building some games. So maybe in six months time, if you ask me that question, I can be like, oh, well, hey, there's these seven games and this is actually what it is and here's some metrics. So, so, so yeah. I don't know if you can speak to this, uh, but does Boombit have any plans for that? Yeah, I mean, of course, we're, you know, we're very active in, you know, the, the hyper casual category. Um, you know, we've had 100 million downloads just purely of our hyper casual games this year alone. Wow. 
Um, we've got great experience and knowledge and games in idle, in casual, in mid-core. So it, for us, it's a bit of a perfect storm and we're in the middle, right? Um, because there's some things you need if you're going to succeed in hyper-casual. So you need to understand IP-based games. You know, you need to understand the game economy. You need to understand UA monetization for it. Um, you know, things like live ops, I think are going to be super cool in this category. And what are, what are live ops? So live ops would be like, you're playing a game and then suddenly you're in some kind of live event with like real time content, right? Uh, so okay. for example, um, let's say you're doing, uh, Fortnite does a lot of this. Yeah, exactly. So some, something like that. And, um, you don't get that in hyper casual, but I think you're going to start seeing this in hybrid casual, but done in such a soft way that the audience don't realize they're playing some live event that has suddenly got some, I don't know, like Halloween or holiday theme to it. Right. Um, and right. they're just going to think it's part of the game. So um, I, I think that's really important. So for us, we're kind of excited because we have all the kind of components and we're actively talking to devs that are interested in looking at this space and, have a great vision, um, you know, even a prototype at this stage um, that we can partner with. Excellent. All right, we're gonna switch gears a little bit here um, and talk about everyone's uh, favorite or potentially least favorite topic, and that is IDFA. So awesome. I'm sure, like everyone else, my my eyes are raw from reading yeah. everyone's IDFA takes, um, and you know it's been delayed now, uh, but. We, we were in a little survey and most people think that, you know, Google's going to do the same thing essentially. And so what, is there anything, if not, we can skip over this, but like, especially as it pertains to hyper casual games and how they run, um, you know, UA, what's the one thing you think that's been overlooked or not talked about enough uh, as it pertains yeah, to the opt-in? Yeah, it's a great question. So, so for me, rather than have the same discussion, like to your point that we've read thousands of articles, I think perhaps the most interesting area that's really not been talked about is, is the testing process, right? Because, um, you know, I think iOS 14 IDFA opt out is, is definitely going to impact the way that, um, you know, hyper casual developers, publishers test game. So just really quickly in summary, it's all built around doing video tests super early on Facebook, on iOS, us, there's this whole kind of data model out that will then predict with a certain degree of accuracy what the CPI is going to be um, to make a very quick decision on if this is a core mechanic that will work. Um, there's also some things that are linked to this testing process that maybe necessarily aren't directly linked to this move, but have been building in the background. And you know, I'm waiting for the Netflix documentary on this. So there's all these very sophisticated tools now that <laughs> you can use that literally as soon as an app hits the app store, you know, you get an alert. As soon as that dev makes an update, you get an alert. Mm. So you can have a look at that app and see what they changed. Right. Um, it may indicate that they're working with a publisher on it. Um, you know, competitors will run marketability tests on it. And, you know, you, you literally have had your game in the app store for two days and all of a sudden there's an identical game that's literally just being cloned. And then it's just this fierce race to see who can scale it the quickest. Mm -hmm. So Android, has usually been a, a platform that it's much harder to deploy these sort of scraping tools to. 
Um, so I know a lot of people are furiously working on a Android testing strategy right now, um, which will add an extra layer of privacy to this testing process. But again, there's a lot of unknowns to this. Like you said, we don't know if Google are going to follow suit and yeah. if they do, how it then may impact this testing process. But generally, hyper casual, you know, as I said earlier, we, we don't add, we don't layer on too much targeting, right? It's about buying the widest possible audience versus other, um, you know, game genres that would be impacted where you've got to do really precise targeting. And to do that, you know, you need the, <laughs> you need the IDFA. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anyone's going to say otherwise that whenever this is introduced, it's going to be bumpy, but again, being, you know, an optimist, um, I'm also excited. <laughs> we love it. It's going to be like a new wave of technology and solutions for whatever this next era of advertising right. looks like. You know, it's really not the end of the world. Sure, you right. know, it's going to be the next evolution. But you know, I've had some great companies approach me with their solutions, and it's been really interesting talking to their engineering, you know, engineering team, seeing you know how they've come up with these new um, new sort of compliance solutions, so that you can. Right you know, carry on, you know, the one thing that's not going to happen is it's not like we're going to stop trying to acquire users for our games, right? It's a fact. It's not like people are just going to stop advertising. I don't, I don't think things would go well for you if you did. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. I think our um, investors and shareholders might have a slight issue with that. Yeah. So it's going to be a challenge, but it's certainly not this doomsday that everyone is. Right. Uh, people will adapt. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Though our survey everyone was all over the place i feel like in it was one wild day, it was pretty wild so but what's could you know let's practice a little more optimism maybe it was all over the place because we're going to see some really innovative solutions and people are going to adapt and and who knows maybe you know maybe people could find a find a couple different options we can hope all right well we're kind of going to switch gears again if everyone's <laughs> okay with that um, so part of your job at Boombit is to make investments on behalf of the company. Um, so is there anything really interesting that you've recently put your money into or are currently scoping out? Yeah, I mean, that obviously has to be some discretion around um, no. you know, re re recent, <laughs> recent, recent investments. But I mean, we... For a publicly listed company, we, we're very entrepreneurial. We certainly don't behave like a VC, right? We quite simply want to back um, like inspirational, entrepreneurial, like independent game studios, right? Um, and we're looking for people that have got a great vision. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's an added bonus if they've got a proven process, they've already published games, because, you know, our role is just to help them then achieve their bigger vision of, um, you know, having a much bigger independent studio, making their own acquisitions and, you know, having a bigger strategic exit, right? Um, so we just want to help fellow game entrepreneurs and you know, indie studios fulfill that dream. Clearly, there has to be some criteria analysis. We can't just go and invest in everyone. Right. Um, but we've, you know, we, we've, the thing I love about Hypercasual is just, you just find some incredibly entrepreneurial um, developers working in it, both in terms of like their ability to make games, but also on the commercial side, because there's such a strong commercial element to, to you know, hypercasual games, unsurprisingly. Um, and, and, I, and I also just love the variety that this talent, hypercasual is just democratized where this talent comes from, because anybody can basically learn to code, whether it's Bill Box and the whole yep. no code movement, you know, Unity obviously requires a bit more effort, but 
Um, you know, I, you know, having conversations in every corner of the world, right. We've just signed our first partnership with someone in Nepal, right. Who would ever have thought that we'd be working with a student in Nepal. It's awesome. Um, and then on the technology side, I mean, it's, it's, it's super simple. And that's why I'm optimistic about iOS 14. It's super smart people that, you know, some of them have come from a gaming background that are just looking at the whole game development process and applying, you know, technology, machine learning, AI, and figuring out a faster, more cost-effective way to do it, right? So mm-hmm. like the art production process is just one example of that. So yeah, we don't have specific criteria. We'll invest anything from sort of like pre-seed up to, you know, $2 million size, uh, size checks. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, this is just like an open call. I I love chatting to entrepreneurs and, you know, whether we invest or not, we'll always give, give some advice and, um, you know, love to stay in touch. Um, so yeah, really anyone that is thinking about starting a studio, wants some advice, um, you know, is working on a game, um, you know, is looking to raise a pre-seed round or something, you know, feel free to get in touch and, um, have a, happily have a conversation. Wow. You hear that people? John Hook, Boombit Games would like you to stay so, in touch. So yeah, that, that was our, our next question is what is that process if they do want to get in touch and talk to you? Um, I mean, drop, drop me an email, connect on LinkedIn, um, you know, DM me on, on, on Twitter, like whatever, um, whatever works. Um, you know, ideally if there is some sort of demo, um, business plan, um, rather than just, you know, a sort of 30 minute chat and this is what I'd I'd love to do. Um, that would be really great. So we can kind of actually come prepared (laughs) to the call. Um, but again, it's, the, the one piece of advice I have more for on the studio side is it makes conversations a lot faster and quicker if you've got test results for an idea, right? If you validated it, because it takes right. something from really subjective to being really objective because you've got a decent cohort of players over a series of tests that have become more and more engaged um, in your game and play it for longer and the cost of acquiring them has gone down. You know, that's, that's a pretty good sign, right? Um, versus coming to us with an idea, um, you know, for us, you know, there was a time where people were just handing out cash for like triple A games, right. And, you know, go away and we'll see you in a couple of years. I, I think hyper has changed that mentality or certainly for us in that it's just brought an accountability just to game testing and can really steer the direction of your you know your startup your studio your game so you know we don't have a lot of requirements but that is certainly one that is you know is important for us is some sort of for example a game studio like uh, you know validation that you're on the right track okay and do do you guys i i know i've seen on um I think I've seen on like Voodoo's website, they have specifically like listed like uh, characteristics that they're looking for in, in games that they want. I think you guys have a little bit of a wider, you know, birth of games that you're, that you're interested in than Voodoo is, but is there specific things that you guys are looking for? Um, again, for, for us, we, you know, we're always dialed into trends, you know, so right now, like in hyper casual, like there's this whole really cool, like multi-mechanic trend, right? It's like draw plus, action for example Mm -hmm. draw and fight games or draw and drive so you know we're always trying to be ahead of uh, ahead of trends um but we're we're pretty open-minded right we're not it's not like we only want role-play games or asmr games you want Um, the best shit yeah yeah, i mean i mean look being publicly listed changes how you look at games right Mm -hmm. versus a pre-ipo company because 
really we get judged on profitability um, sure. and if we don't deliver profit our share price tanks versus if you're pre-ipo it's all about revenue and chart position and marketing and look how great we are so our approach certainly to this genre is a little different in that we probably publish games that no other publisher would publish right because they just want that top 0.1 percent because they have you know for, for them to break even and cover their costs for argument's sake you know they need to make three four million dollars um you know for us we you know we we've published games that have made a million dollars right mm -hmm. i mean personally i'm very happy with a million dollars and our shareholders are and devs are but for some studios um you know we've just published a game now that was rejected by three different publishers because for them um based on their business and the pre-ipo model it just wasn't enough for them for us for yeah. us it was a very profitable game um you know great dev to work with very talented and um yeah we've just published that game so um really are you at all are you like emotionally hurt that they went to a few publishers before you? <laughs> no, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's the game, right? To succeed in hyper-casual, um, you have to be passionate, but you have to be unemotional. Like, mm -hmm. if you start getting emotional, you make really bad decisions, right? So if I hear things like, yeah, but I think this is the best game, or um, yeah, but I love playing this game, that's a bit mm -hmm. of a red flag, right? Because mm -hmm. typically you are not the audience, right? right. You are not... Um, that non-gamer you are you are a developer which is sure. not the target audience so you cannot get emotionally attached and the one of the keys to success in hyper casual or just in life in general is knowing when to quit right because mm -hmm. what you're doing is you're saving valuable dev time that could have been spent on a better idea so you know one of the things we look at when we're working for devs is that unemotional attachment to games like you know, we can agree to disagree, but it's a business decision, not a personal one. Are they, do they understand why we're giving them this advice? Yep, move on. Mm. We don't want to get into some big discussion about it because again, that's an hour we could have spent discussing another game. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, John, thank you so much for uh, coming on and, and sharing your, your knowledge uh, with us. It was extremely insightful. I hope the, the listeners enjoyed it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, maybe, maybe we can have you on again in the future, uh, especially if you guys, you know, have any have any big news or, or uh, do anything interesting as I'm sure you always are uh, but yeah, thanks so yeah, much I'll, let's do the holiday special with uh, your mom and um, we'll do the, the kind of yeah yeah I, hey I, yes. I'm gonna try to get the uh, the people who edit this to uh, to play your song when you come on so <laughs> <laughs> amazing well look, thanks uh, thanks for having me it's really enjoyed that it's nice just to have a more open discussion um, about you know these topics rather than just the usual sort of corporate um, stuff you see on blogs and right. you know it sounds the same so uh, yeah look great chatting to you both and thank you you too thanks, thanks john that's what we're here for <laughs> seeing the holidays this is it what lucini pouring from the sky let's get rich what the cheeky fast sugar dance can't quit what now pop the cork is in